0: Good morning. We have the awesome privilege of receiving uh, the Lord's Supper this morning. And as we do, I wanted to share with you, as we've been going through this series, Acts, to be continued. We're at the uh, beginning of the second chapter. And the words that God gives us to start off are, when the day of Pentecost came. And Pentecost, as you may or may not know, started a long time before God poured out his holy spirit in the way we're going to study and, and unpack this morning. In fact, in ancient times when when God spoke to his people through the book of Leviticus, Pentecost was given its name because it was 50 days after the Passover. And one of the awesome things about Pentecost was it was a celebration of the harvest. It was a celebration of the first fruits of their harvest, lifted up to God. And how appropriate it is that we celebrate the Lord's Supper on Pentecost because Christ, the Bible says, is the first fruits of those who would be resurrected, right? And that we would come after and in Him and in His power, we too would be resurrected. And in the early celebrations of Pentecost, they would take sheaves of, of wheat and barley. And they would take two loaves of, of wheat bread and they would, they would celebrate that way. So we used wheat bread this morning as a way to, to celebrate Christ's sacrifice on our behalf. And so before we come to the table, we invite you, as, as we always do, to a time of deep repentance say deep repentance why because we're about to celebrate we're about to honor god's sacrifice jesus on the cross with his body broken and his blood shed on our behalf and it calls the people of god to draw near and deeply turn from everything that is not of him And I need to search my heart. Let the Spirit search my heart for everything that is not of Jesus Christ. All the lust, all the materialism, all of the anger, all of the spite, all of the shame, all whatever it is. And here's the thing. The longer we walk with Christ, the longer we know Him, the more deeply repentant we become because we get close to seeing His holiness and we realize how awesome He is and how unworthy we are. And in repentance, we get to see what an awesome, awesome Savior He is. So I don't know why repentance has gotten such a bad rap. It's become a negative word, a harmful word, something we shy away from. When repentance is one of the most awesome gifts that God has ever given to us, that He's ever called us to, because the other side of repentance is the doorway to every grace, every forgiveness, every, every blessing, every healing that God wants to pour out on us. Because when we break ourselves apart, Christ rushes in to forgive and fill and restore and redeem. And so in our darkest moment, Christ shines the brightest. And He lifts us up. So take this time to let the Spirit search your heart and come to a point of deep repentance. Because the deeper you repent, the deeper you receive. We don't come to celebrate His broken body and His shed blood without letting them have their full effect in our lives. So we practice an open table here, which means you don't have to be Baptist to come celebrate with us. You don't have to be a member of this church, but you have to belong to Jesus Christ. And if not, You're going to have an opportunity to make that happen. Two people at the uh, 9 o'clock service prayed to receive Christ this morning. He did what only He can do. He can do that for you this morning. And He will. His Spirit is here. So I invite you to take a time of prayer, deep repentance. And then when you're ready to come, come receive. Come as friends, come as yourself. Come as couples. Come any way you want. Serve each other. I invite you to do that. And we remember when Christ, the night before He died, He shared a meal with His friends and He took the bread and He broke it. And He said, this is my body that is broken for you. Eat it. And when you eat it, remember me. And this is the cup of my blood. Is the blood of the new and everlasting covenant. It is shed for you and for all so that sins may be forgiven. So take it and drink of it. And when you do, remember me. Take a time of prayer. When you're ready, come receive. Come minister the body and the blood to each other. Let's celebrate Christ on the cross in our place as our substitute for our sins. It is the great mystery of our faith. It is our hope. It is our salvation. Let's pray. When you're ready, you come. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your sacrifice. Thank you. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. Thank you for your body broken, your blood spelt, for one, like me, for one such as us. Lord, thank you. Lord, thank you for this time that we have. Lord, I pray against the enemy, that he would be bound all his servants in their effect. Lord, that you would empower your, your servant, that you would empower this time. Lord, that your anointing would be on, on this place. Lord, that you would overwhelm us with the Holy Spirit, that you would have your way with us. And that we would see your glory. We offer it all to you. In the most beautiful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Morning. Good morning. It's wonderful. It's wonderful to have you all here. If you're a child um, and you're between the ages of three and whatever you are when you're in fifth grade, um, feel free to split up the stairs. There's Children's Church for you. We're going to... How are you guys doing? Doing good? Doing good? Good? Good. 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 Not as good as you're going to be. Because God is here and uh, and He's working and and we're gonna have a good time. Um, uh, before we get going, uh, if you have your Bibles, uh, Acts two, that's where we're gonna be. If you don't have a Bible with you, raise your hand. Tim's back there; he's got some Bibles. If you just want to use it for this this morning, you can take it, use it for this morning. If you want to keep it, it's our free gift to you. We've got one over here, Tim. Um, uh, we got one over here. That's great. I make sure to uh, so. If that's our free gift to you, if you want to take it. Uh, Read it. It's wonderful. Acts 2, title of this message is The First Revival. The First Revival. We're going to study Pentecost. We're going to study the, the birthday of the church. And uh, if you weren't here, as you're turning here, Acts 2... Uh, if you weren't here last week at this service, the 1030 service, it was amazing. It was awesome. We were hauling in uh, folding chairs and things like that. We had a baptism service, and, and we're going to be talking a little bit more about what happened there. Four people prayed to receive Christ. He was just breaking out and breaking in all over the place, and, and God was strong. And God was glorified, and I'm grateful. We're going to have another baptism service, if you're interested. Many of you have come and talked to me. The end of this month, the last Sunday, I think it's the 26th. Is that right? Is that right? Baptism service, help me here. 26th, huh? Huh? All right. If you want to be part of that, we're going to have nine people who want, to, who want to take this step of faith. It's amazing. It's amazing. So if you uh, if you're one of the people who didn't plan on being baptized last week but left here covered in water and the Spirit of God, we have a baptismal certificate for you. We did that. So come see me if you haven't already. We're going to do that. Okay. Um, what we're going to do is we're going to go and we're going to we're going to read the passage of Scripture and then we're going to unpack it and see everything that God has for us. Okay. Acts two. We're going to go one through four. Okay. You ready? Let's go. When the day of Pentecost came, they were gathered. These are the, uh, the followers of Jesus Christ. They're all gathered together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw, and what did they see? They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. In verse 4, and all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. They were speaking languages that they had never learned. And, and and I would just pray that the word of God would, would penetrate our hearts. We don't want to look at this as an academic study of historically and biblically what the Holy Spirit did in the early church. We do want to do that, but not solely that. We want to look at it and we want to learn from it because each passage and each truth is a call from God to our hearts to do what they did in in expectancy so that God can pour out his spirit and overwhelm us that the first revival might be a repeated event so that his church is brought together and empowered in a way that we could not even imagine or even be wise enough to pray for. So right out of the gate right out of the gate after, before we dig in and start pulling this uh, apart and unpacking it and seeing what God has for us. I just want to say that I know that whenever the word Pentecost or the Holy Spirit is mentioned in some circles, particularly Baptist, that, that there are some flinchy Baptists out there panicking. What's it going to do? Is this place going to become one of those freaky dinky churches? You know? And I assure you, I assure you, just relax. And breathe. Back away from the keyboard before you send that email. Back away. It's going to be good. It's not going to be freak. It's in the Bible. Okay? But those of you who come from conservative theologies, we have a kinship. Because my, my, my theology is very conservative too. But see, I don't want to just go back to the 1950s. I don't want to just go back to, to some glory day in the past. I want to go back to the Bible, to the Bible days, and, and because all the way back to the first century, everything that God did, God calls His people to respond in the same ways. God's promises are the same. God's expectation and hopes and dreams for His people and His church and His mission are the same. And so we want to go back. We we want this to be a biblical church. You you don't want to be a freaky church. Well, don't worry. Don't worry. Cherie is not going to become the co-pastor and get really big hair. I am not going shopping for a white suit. White is not a slimming color. It is not. We are not going to hand out praise flags and tambourines and kazoos or whatever you got when you come in. People are not going to start barking like dogs and quacking like ducks and saying the Lord told them to do it. But leave room. Leave room for the fact that the Spirit in the passage of sacred Scripture that we're going to study broke in in unexpected ways and did the miraculous and the supernatural. And my friends, if there's anything that that we need is more of him in our lives. It's to, it's to have the Holy Spirit filling us. Let's go. Verse 1. And then the day of Pentecost came. We talked about what Pentecost means. And and, and we remember, um, one of the things uh, that, that I want to point out here is that when we generally think of Pentecost, we generally think, so many of us, of the speaking in tongues. You know? That... that, that The followers of Jesus Christ received the Holy Spirit. They got to speak in languages that they had never learned. Okay? This is not about you speaking fluent French when you got D's in high school in the subject. Okay? It is not about solely the speaking in other languages. What it is about, if you remember, we talked about when we were in chapter 1, we said in verse 8... Jesus was giving us the key to the book of Acts. It was more than the key to the book of Acts. It was the key to our lives. It was the key to our church. It is the key for the mission of our lives. And Jesus said this in in chapter 1, verse 8. He says, but you, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And and am I the only one who thinks that it's really awesome that God chose to kick this off on on the feast to the harvest okay the pentecost is the beginning of god's harvest of hearts into his kingdom not simply people speaking in languages that they haven't learned yet and we're going to talk more about tongues as we work through as we work through the bible but if if we're not careful we'll miss the point of pentecost which is the kicking off of jesus going forth in his people To to have a a wonderful, blessed, sacred harvest of souls, of people, of hearts that were far from him. That are now breathed into and and, and coming alive. And the very day, the very day that this happened, Peter preached and 3,000 people came to faith in Jesus Christ. That is what this is kicking off. Verse 1, and they were all together. Day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Okay, go back a week. We talked last week, right? About the 120 followers of Jesus Christ. They're staying in the upper room. They're staying in the upper room, right? And they're praying. And they're eating and they're sleeping. They're they're there. All the men and women, all they're there. 120 of them. And and this is ten days later. And 120 of them are still there. Do you see the miracle of that? Do you? Because growing up I had three sisters, mom and dad. We couldn't even drive from the house to the to the grocery store and still not have, you know, snuffed out one another or something like that. They're all still there. They haven't kicked anybody out. They haven't thrown anybody out the window. They haven't taped Mary up, you know, the, the, the obsessive compulsive sister of Lazarus and put her in the closet. They're all still there. There's grace there. They're all together in their hearts in one place. And what happens? Verse two, suddenly a sound. They heard something. A sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting okay let's let 's look at this verse. what it just got suddenly i don 't want us to to pass over this word it's not it's not just there as a descriptor it 's there. I believe God has put it there to challenge our faith to to call us to different lives suddenly, suddenly, without warning. Without warning, unannounced, unpredicted. This was not in their order of worship. It wasn't printed in the bulletin. Suddenly, God broke through. God broke in. All of a sudden, some of you would say, totally random. Yeah, it happened. Right then, suddenly. And I ask, the challenge to us, the challenge to us is to live lives of faith. Every moment that allows God to break through. That it not only allows, but expects, but, but it pleads. And here's a great example. Last Sunday, here's what happened. Here's what happened at the 1030 service. If you were with us, let this build up your faith. If you weren't, you got to come. you got to come because, you know, it was wonderful. Because we had five people who had planned to be baptized, who had planned to take that step of faith. And they came, and they came in faith, and their friends gathered around them, and we had wonderful testimonies and heart-rending prayers for their life in Christ. And, they, and God was moving, and God was moving on the hearts of other people, other people who didn't expect God to break through in their lives in quite this way. And six people, six people who did not expect to be baptized this day, rose up from their seats They begin to take their shoes off and they came one by one into the water with their clothes on. Now, you know, we podcast these things and I, you know, so if you're listening on the podcast, I need to make very clear that everybody who was baptized had clothes on. Everybody had clothes on. These six just didn't have a change of clothes. You know, I can see the headlines, you know, Pastor arrested for nude baptisms. It would not go well. But you never know. You know, God can use all things. Maybe like the buzz would bring people here to hear the good news. I don't know. But we've got to stay on the right side of the law. Everybody was clothed. Let's get that. And uh, do we live in a way that allows God that yearns for God to surprise us, to come suddenly, to break through, to break in and to break out of us. Do we live that way? Do we live with that charisma? You say, well, you you don't want to do the charismatic excesses. I get it. I get it. I would describe myself as a charismatic with a seatbelt on, as Mark Driscoll said. But I would would implore you, when they were all together in one place, they had this one thing in common. Their greatest longing was for the promise of Jesus Christ, the sending of His Spirit into their hearts to be fully realized. And I ask, if that is our deepest longing, and if it is, if it is, then the first revival is not the last revival. In our lives, in our families, in our church, in our college, in our community, in our neighborhood, in our valley. God will build his kingdom by the power of the Holy Spirit. My grandfather, whom I love dearly, his life is regimented. He always started his day. He would go out and he would get the paper in his bathrobe. Big Italian man, not not attractive. He would go out, get the paper, and it's ba- no. You you've met him. I'm sure he's affirming that he's with the Lord now. But read the paper, take the sports section somewhere else. But then he lived in a retirement community, which have a clubhouse, and then he had this men's coffee clutch, and they would solve the problems of the world. Then he'd play a game of pool, and then he'd go out to the shuffleboard court and he'd play that, and he was lousy at both of them. Then it was time for lunch, then it was time for nap, then it was time for this, then it was, if God wanted to break into my grandfather's life, he was gonna to have to call two weeks in advance and make an appointment. I'm not saying just don't be too busy, but in our busyness, in our lives, to look expectantly, for our hearts to yearn and say, Lord Jesus, send your spirit. Father God, send the Holy Spirit that breaks through and break in and fill me. See, there's a very interesting thing that Jesus said. He said, which of you who are fathers, if your son came to you and said, I'm hungry, dad, give me some bread. Would you give him a rock? That's like a joke. No, none of you would do that. How much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask for it? It's our deepest longing to receive the Holy Spirit. Are we living lives that allow for that, that yearn for that? Isaiah 43, 19, Lord said, See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? Let him do a new thing in your heart. Let him do a new thing in your life. Let him do a new thing in this church. So what did they hear? Let's take a look. Chapter 2, verse 2. Suddenly, the sound, like the blowing of a violent wind, came from heaven, filled the whole house—not just the room where they were sitting. They hear, they hear Hurricane Katrina inside the house, inside the house, outside calm, quiet. Inside, it's howling. They hear, they hear wind. And 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 in the Bible, when the when typically um, when the when the Bible uses a word for the Spirit, it's pneuma. The Greek word is pneuma. Those who are followers, fans of Rob Bell, he puts a video series out called pneuma, which means wind or spirit. Okay? It means that. Now here we have a, or breath. Here we have the Greek word, which is noes, which means a blast of breath. A blast of breath, and I believe it's the breath of God. Because whenever God breathes, there is life and there is truth. The breath of God. God never has bad breath. It's true. When God breathes out, wonderful, miraculous, amazing, awesome things happen. And God is breathing this morning. And I want us to all, in the core of our hearts, say, breathe on me, Lord. Breathe on me, because the breath of God does miraculous things. We're going to take a couple of things Look at a couple of verses just so you get this. John 20, uh, 22. Here it is. Jesus, after he was resurrected, before Pentecost, he's giving his disciples, he's giving his apostles the down payment, a little deposit of the Holy Spirit. And here's what it says. And with that, Jesus breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. When Jesus breathes, when God breathes, a miraculous and wonderful things happen. He breathed on them. Take a quick look at the the creation, creation of man, Genesis 2, 7. God is creating our father, our our, our first father, who's Adam. In verse 7, chapter 2, it said the Lord God formed the man, Adam, from the dust of the ground. And watch this, watch this. And he breathed into his nostrils the breath of of life. And the man became a living being. This is the breath of God. It, it, it comes into our deadness and brings us to life. Not only our spiritual deadness, but all the deadness that we've created in our relationships, in our lives, in our faith, in the way we've done finances, in the way we've done friendships, in the way we've done love, in the way we've done hate. He breathes it in. And there is life where there was before just a corpse. An incredible story. I've got to share this with you. The book... The, the, The Word of God is full of the book of Ezekiel. The book of Ezekiel in chapter 37. Here's the story. Here's the setting. God takes the prophet Ezekiel and he puts him in this valley like we're in. Except the valley wasn't filled with homes and, and, and city markets and different vendors of ice cream of different sorts. What it was was a valley full of bones. Bones without meat on them, without muscle. They were disconnected and they were dead. And dry. And he asks Ezekiel, what do you think? Easy. You think these bones can live? And Ezekiel gives him a very wise answer. He said, I don't know. But I bet you do. And if you want them to, yeah, if I figure it again. It's a good answer. Save it. You may need it someday. And then here's what happens in verses 9 and 10. The Lord says to him, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come from the four winds O breath and breathe into these slain so that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me and breath entered them and they came to life and stood up on their feet. A vast, mighty army and God is breathing. He is breathing. And where he breathes, there is life. There is life, and we see that all Scripture is God-breathed. It brings truth and life. Do you realize because all Scripture is God-breathed that when you read Scripture in faith, you are breathing the very breath of God, and His life is taking root in you, and His truth is taking root in you. That's why we harp on it. Spend time in the Word. Spend time in the Word. Something supernatural happens when you do that. And they heard this breath, this wind come down. And I ask you, if we want it, do we want it You say, God, breathe into me, breathe into me? Do we want it? They not only heard, but they saw. What did they see? What did they see? Let's go to verse three. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. They saw fireworks indoors. They saw pyrotechnics of a supernatural nature. Now, I know some of you college guys, I don't want you sitting off bottle rockets in the family room and telling them the pastor said it was okay. It's not okay. No barking like a dog. No quacking like a duck. No fireworks inside. All right, we got that out. No nude baptisms. Man, we're on the edge, aren't we? They saw the fire of God come down. And the question is, are you on fire? Have you let the Holy Spirit set your heart, set your life on fire for Jesus Christ? This is not a church where it's okay to have God as a hobby. We don't want a normal life with Jesus Christ in it. We want the sold out life that is on fire to him, that is surrendered to him, that is bankrupt for him to live in and do and and allow us to be the men and women that he created us to be. Because anything else is death. Anything else is death. And he says the fire came. And when the fire, you know, you think about fire and it's the power and the presence of God to Moses God spoke through the burning bush to the Israelites. He led them at night with a pillar of fire. With a pillar of fire. And in 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy, 1st chapter, verse 6 and 7, Paul writes to his his son in the, in the spirit, Timothy. He said, for this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of, of God, which is in you through the laying on my, of my hands. Here's the result. For God does not give us a spirit of timidity or, or fear. Okay? He doesn't give us that. He gives us a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. And if it's what we need, we need the fire of God to live in our lives, to burn through our lives, to give us boldness, to be able to go out and say, yes, I belong to Jesus Christ. Boldness to share our faith. With people who are far from Him. To love them as Jesus loved them. To, to speak life into them. Because that's the Spirit. We need a Spirit of power. Power to overcome that which has held us back. Power to overcome the sin that it so easily entangles us. That we flirt with. And, uh, and And we keep in our lives. We cherish. And it keeps us far from God and far from each other. We need self-discipline that comes from the fire of the Holy Spirit that God wants to give, that leads us in obedience, because we know that all of God's laws, I have to, if you leave here with with a truth, leave here with this one, that all the laws of God, all the commandments of God, is not to rob you of one ounce of joy or fulfillment in your life. No, it's to lead you into the greatest joy, the greatest peace, the greatest fulfillment. That's the word of God. That's the law of God. And those who are saying, don't, 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 don't. And living sour, pinched lives who don't realize that the very law of God is to set us free. To lead us into joy, to lead us into hope, to lead us into forgiveness and restoration and healing. Get that. Get that. They saw the fire. It says, fan into flame the fire. The fire. Would your prayer this morning be, Lord, fan into flame the gift, the fire. They not only saw, they not only heard, they received. This was not just about learning more about God. It was about experiencing and receiving Him in His fullness. And that's why we say, when we, were, when we were getting ready to celebrate the Lord's Supper, to call the church to repentance, to brokenness. Because when we break apart, He fills in. They received and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was not just filling the room where they were in. It was now filling their insides. And they didn't have a great theology of the Holy Spirit. You probably know more about the Holy Spirit than the people who were in that room. In your study at home, in your small groups, take a look. John 14 through 16 tells a lot about what Jesus had told his followers about the Holy Spirit. Here's one awesome thing. God bless you. Here's one awesome thing to take with you. Jesus said this in the Gospel of John. He said, it is better for you. You will be better off. It is for your good. You will be more blessed that I'm going away and I'm sending the Holy Spirit. It's better for you to be filled with the Spirit as we long for today than to be walking with Jesus Christ. say, how can that be? Well, maybe we have a low view of the Holy Spirit. Maybe we don't understand because I think going through life with Jesus in the physical would be a whole lot easier. Don't you think? You're trying to share with a friend how great Jesus is. And you go, hey, uh, hey, hey. Friend, this is uh, Jesus. Jesus, tell them a little bit about yourself. That's as easy as it would be. Obedience, I think, would be a whole lot easier if Jesus was with me physically. He says, no, it's better for you that I go away and send the Spirit. Is your life better? Does your life reflect that? Does our church reflect that it's better than if Jesus Christ in the flesh was standing here? And if it's not, maybe we haven't grasped the call of God to to allow His Spirit to have its way to overwhelm us, to live inside of us. The Spirit is looking for a body. God wants to live His life through you. And they received. And verse 4 said, And they received. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages, other tongues, as the Spirit enabled them. The miraculous and the supernatural found its way into their lives. I don't know if you're like me, but the more time I spend in God's Word, the more convicted I am that I need more of the supernatural in my life. I need the miraculous because God's call to be his man, to be a father, to be a husband, to be a friend, to be a pastor is so much greater than I can ever, ever live up to. But his promise of the Holy Spirit is greater than I can ever imagine. And for us as individuals and for us as a body to say, yes, your mission, Lord, is my mission. That I won't rest. That the purpose of my life is to bring people to you and bring you to people until the whole world is, is, is praising God and glorifying you and being set free and forgiven and finding new life. We can't do that without the miraculous and the supernatural finding its way into our lives. And so, as God calls us to have the deep longing to be overwhelmed and endowed and indwelt with His Holy Spirit, He's calling us to allow the supernatural power to find root and home in our lives. Because I look at the people who followed Him, and I look at my own life. And I'm saying, as I hope you're saying, there's more. There's more. There's more of yielding to His Holy Spirit. There's more. I don't know what that looks like. I know a lot of what it doesn't look like. We talked about that. But maybe it looks a little bit like what happened here last week. Maybe it looks like what happened in the heart of two people who were here in the first service. People being set free. Having life where there was only death. Having forgiveness where there was only shame. Having eternal life. Having eternal life that begins now. And they received him. Come, Holy Spirit. We're going to have a time. time of prayer. The worship team is going to play. I ask you, pray for yourself. Pray for those around you. Pray for your family. Pray for your friends. Pray for this church. Pray for this town. Pray for the college. That the Holy Spirit would overwhelm, would would flow. And fill that we would be so filled. We'd be like when you were your kid and you wanted all the milk you could get and you put it in a glass to where it was healing over the top. But if you if you walked real careful, but you couldn't help it, it spilled all over. Anybody who touched that glass, anybody who came in contact with it was going to get drenched. And that's how he wants to be with our lives. He wants to pour out his spirit in our lives so that our marriages, our finances, our friendship, our work, everything is so overflowing with his spirit that it touches everyone. And where it touches, there is life. And there is health and healing and glory and truth. I ask you to pray. Let's begin now. Father, you promised us the Holy Spirit. Lord, we believe those of us who have come to you that we've received it. Lord, but we want a fresh filling. We want a fresh filling, Lord. So we ask, in repentance, we're sorry for being so leaky. And Lord, we want you to overwhelm us, empower us, not for our own goals, but for your mission, Lord, to build your kingdom, to usher it in, to spread your love and your good news of Jesus Christ risen paid our debt Lord so many need to hear and you offer us the power to make it happen Lord come fill us with your spirit overwhelm us that is our deepest desire still praying there are some here who would like the Holy Spirit in their lives to take over, to live in them, to do all of the things that we talked about. Later on the same day in the Scripture, Peter preached, as I said. And there were those who said, what do we do? What do we do? We want to come. We want to receive this. What do we do? And Peter said in verse 38, repent. Turn from all the sin in your life to the forgiveness that Jesus Christ offers. He said, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off from all whom the Lord our God will call. And he's calling some this morning to come, to leave the life of death, to leave the life apart from him. Come to the cross, come, be forgiven, come, be part of his family and receive the Holy Spirit. Receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior. Peter said it is for all of us. And I believe that when God spoke those words through Peter, He had you in mind to come. He's been calling out to your heart through His Word, through this time, through the worship, in your times when you let yourself be quiet, you know He wants you to come home. He wants you to give yourself fully and completely to Him. He wants you to be the man, the woman He created you to be. He wants to live inside you to do that. If that's you, if God has called to your heart, you say you would say, yes, I want to receive Jesus Christ as my Lord my Savior. I want to receive the Holy Spirit. I ask you to raise your hand to God. I'll pray with you. You can enter life eternal. It's His promise. It's His call. He'll give it to you. If He's speaking to your heart, you want to say, yes, yes, Lord, I believe. Come. I want to enter into life. I want forgiveness. Raise your hand to God. He'll do it. He'll do it. Your life will never be the same. Is there anybody who is speaking to your heart this morning? I ask you to just raise your hand. Amen. Amen. God bless you back there. I'll pray with you. I'll pray with you. Make this prayer your own. Make these words your own. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for taking my place. Thank you for living the perfect life I could never live. Thank you for dying the death on the cross that I deserved. All so that I could be forgiven and washed clean. I ask you, Lord. I ask you to come into my heart, my life, as my Lord and as my Savior. I turn away from all my sins. Thank you for forgiving me. I want to follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for praying. God bless you. We're going to stand. We're going to praise His name. We're going to have a time of prayer. Ask for the Holy Spirit. Ask to be overwhelmed.